You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I just left the State Department for a sit-down with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. I will bring you my two-part interview coming up this hour. We talk on a wide-ranging topic list, everything from North Korea, Huawei, to the situation going on in, in Hong Kong, And yes, Iran, Iran, and whether or not he'll ever travel to Tehran, despite all of the back and forth, and maybe even in the future, will it be Senator Mike Pompeo? I will bring you all of that. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. It was a busy, busy day for the markets, a busy day internationally, and yes, here in Washington. Nancy Lyons, catch us up to speed on everything going on in the headlines. Well, I won't give you everything, but I'll try. Democrats are marking 200 days since taking over the majority in the House of Representatives. Since then, they've passed 50 major bills, including legislation driving down prescription drug costs, raising worker paychecks, and cutting government corruption. Congressman David Cicilline says it's now time for the Senate to act. All of those bills are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk and the president and Mitch McConnell need to get to work to bring those bills to the Senate floor so we can complete our work for the American people. Not emphasized today by the Democrats was yesterday's testimony by former special counsel Robert Mueller. The Senate Intelligence Committee today recounted extensive efforts by Russia to compromise the U.S. election infrastructure from 2014 to at least 2017, and they urged new efforts to deter the threat with 2020 just around the corner. The report recommends using paper ballots and optical scanners and preventing any wireless networking capability in voting machines. It did recommend against the new trend toward online voting. A full honors welcome ceremony at the Pentagon today for new Defense Secretary Mark Esper. He was confirmed to the post this week. It ends the longest period in Pentagon history the agency had been without a confirmed leader. President Trump and Vice President Pence were in attendance, and Esper thanked the president for choosing him. It is an honor of a lifetime to be appointed Secretary of Defense and to lead the greatest military in history. And I am especially humbled 
that you would be here today to celebrate this occasion. Esper is a former Secretary of the Army who also worked as a defense industry lobbyist. D.C.'s first new homeless family shelter has been open nearly a year, but some subcontractors are still waiting to get paid. The shelter in Northwest, known as the Kennedy, is part of a network of planned smaller facilities to replace D.C. General Homeless Shelter. The Washington Post reports the subcontractors that furnished the new shelter, built its heating and air conditioning system, and did the landscaping say the general contractor has yet to pay them. In February, D.C. threatened to ban Fifth Street Partners and Mosley Construction from receiving new city contracts, but could not say how many claims are outstanding. Amy Morris, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Woodstock 50 Festival will not be taking place in upstate New York, where the original event was held. Bloomberg has learned instead it's slated to take place at the Meriwether Post Pavilion, August 16th through the 18th. The venue can hold about 32,000 folks. Organizers of Woodstock 50 have been scrambling to save the festival after their main financier backed out and local officials in upstate New York refused to approve a permit. In an afternoon game, it is scoreless between the national and the Rockies. Time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. Well, Nancy stocks ended lower as the quarterly earnings parade continued. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slumped 128. The S&P 500 fell 15. The Nasdaq Composite lost 82. Alphabet is up about 8.5% after hours. The Google parent reported revenue that beat expectations, easing worries about slowing growth. Sales climbed 18% from last year. Amazon is lower after big spending on faster shipping dented its second quarter earnings. Profits fell short of expectations, even as revenue jumped 20% from last year. Amazon is down 2% in late trading. Soaring sales in China and the U.S. are like a jolt of caffeine to Starbucks shares. The stock up more than 5% after hours as the coffee chain reported its best sales growth in three years. It also raised its full-year outlook. Apple is buying Intel's cellular modem business, the deal valued at a billion dollars. The Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. area stock index gained two-tenths of one percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 991 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Back to you, Kevin. Thank you, Nancy. I was just inside of the Benjamin Franklin Room in the State Department. This is the room where they host, I guess, dignitaries. They have foreign events. It's a very ornate room, a portrait, a sweeping oil portrait of Benjamin Franklin, Philadelphia's finest. Uh, and we had an exclusive uh, a sit-down interview with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, a wide-ranging conversation. And, well, I'll play part one of it right now. Here is my, exclu- my interview with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. The situation in Iran has appeared to be escalating in recent weeks. The U.S. shooting down at least one drone, Iran seizing a British-flagged oil tanker. Is this situation getting back on track, or is it still intensifying? You know, it's always important to, to remember the history. This is, it seems like escalation uh, because there's been stories in the news, but this is 40 years, 40 years of malign behavior. So whether it was... Uh, seizing a British tanker that was in international waters or shooting down an American UAV that was also in international airspace or assassination campaigns in Europe or trying to kill an ambassador here in the United States. Iran has this long history of malign behavior. 
So our mission set when we came in was to create as much stability in the Middle East as we could. We watched Iran uh, engaging in this behavior. We had a terrible deal that the previous administration had entered into that had as one of its major side effects creating enormous wealth for the leadership inside of the Islamic Republic of Iran, and they were using that wealth in malign ways. So we broke out of the deal, we stopped giving them money, we put pressure on the Iranian regime, and we're forcing them to make tough decisions about how they're going to behave. Uh, we want change in behavior from the Iranian leadership so that the Iranian people can ultimately get what it is they deserve. So how do you get that change in behavior when Foreign Minister Zarif, who was in New York the other day, uh, is, is saying that the sanctions are going to quote unquote backfire? What, what, what do you, how, how do you get that change in behavior? Yeah, I mean, For Foreign Minister Zarif is no more in charge of what's going on in Iran than a man in the moon. At the end of the day, this is driven by the Ayatollah. He will be the ultimate decision maker here. And the IRGC, Qasem Soleimani, has the capacity to do all this activity that you're talking about, all this seizure of ships and the bad behavior in the straits and the malign activity is all driven uh, by this IRGC, this Quds Force leader. Uh, those are the two that are the decision maker. Those are the people on, upon whom we're trying to apply sufficient pressure to show them that the cost just isn't worth it, to convince them that if they simply behave like a normal nation, that the Iranian people can live normal lives. Would you go to Tehran? Sure. If that's, if that's the call, happily go there. And would you, would you appear on Tehran television? I would, would welcome you? the chance to speak directly to the Iranian people. I've, I've talked about this before. Uh, Zarif gets to come or he comes to New York. He drives around in the most wonderful city in America. Uh, and, the, and he speaks to the media, he talks to the American public, uh, gets to put uh, Iranian propaganda out into the American airwaves. I'd like a chance to go not do propaganda, but speak the truth to the Iranian people about what it is their leadership has done and how it has harmed Iran. I, I, think, I think the reason they won't permit that to happen is because they know the truth as well. You know, in terms of the economics of this situation, especially as it pertains to oil in particular, the U.S. recently issued sanctions against the state-run energy company Zuhai Zenrong mm -hmm. for violating and doing business with Iran. Are you concerned about other nations, even potentially U.S. allies, still doing business with Iran uh, in the oil market? So the sanctions that we've put in place apply to everyone. We're equal opportunity with respect to our command that is, uh, thou shalt not create wealth for the Ayatollah and the people who are killing others around the world. And so this happened to be a, a Chinese vessel. Um, we have a pretty good bead on where these ships are moving around. We haven't seen our allies and partners. They've all agreed to cooperate uh, with this sanctions regime. Um, but wherever we find violations, we will do our level best to enforce them completely and thoroughly. Speaking of sanctions, Senator Lindsey Graham just saying with, uh, within the last few hours to Defense One that he called the Turkish foreign minister and said if you don't activate the S-400 that sanctions won't be applied. Is that the position of the administration? Well, I, I'm not going to talk about internal deliberations. Uh, we're, we're all working, everyone's working together uh, to do our best. We've made clear to the Turks that the activation of the S-400 um, is unacceptable. Uh, we've already taken the action of uh, curtailing the F-35 program that was an important part of what Turkey was doing. Uh, there could be more sanctions to follow, but frankly what we'd really like is the S-400 not to become operational. That's our objective. It's what we've been talking to the Turks about for months and months. We've told them that it's simply incompatible with the F-35. Uh, they've taken delivery of some of the components today and we're urging them to reconsider that decision.
That was part one of my interview sit-down with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Coming up, we talk domestic politics. Will he run for Senate? As well as the situation in Venezuela. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, on Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Bob Kuzak's here, Editor-in-Chief of The Hill. He'll break down reaction for us. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Breaking news headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal now. House passes debt limit and budget deal, sending it to the Senate. We'll have more breakdown and analysis of that vote and what it means. It will now all but likely be passed in the Senate. Uh, a two-year extension to raise the debt limit and budget deal, putting this fight off, just this fight off, until after the 2020 presidential elections. Coming up now... Part two of my sit-down with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I was at the State Department just literally an hour ago conducting this wide-ranging interview. You can head to BloombergTV.com and obviously onto the Bloomberg Terminal to see all of the stories and analysis on this interview. But take a listen to part two right now. Just within the last 24 hours, the North Koreans test firing two new short-range ballistic missiles on Thursday. How does this impact the denuclearization talks with Kim Jong-un? Look, everybody tries to get ready for negotiations and create, create leverage uh, and create risk for the other side. President Trump has been incredibly consistent here. We want diplomacy to work. We want Chairman Kim to deliver on the promise that he made to President Trump, which is that he would denuclearize. Uh, I was there the day they signed the document. I've had Chairman Kim tell me this personally no less than half a dozen times. We, we remain convinced that there's a diplomatic way forward, a negotiated solution to this. We look forward to the opportunity. Uh, Chairman Kim told President Trump that he would send his working team to negotiate with ours. Next week, right? Uh, it'll be in a couple weeks, I anticipate. Uh, everybody's got to get schedules right. And everyone, more importantly than the date, if we wait two weeks or four weeks or six weeks, to make sure that we've had enough conversations so that there can be productive dialogue when the teams get together, that's the real objective. If it takes us another two weeks or four weeks, so be it. And, and the situation that we, we alluded to China, but these protests in Hong Kong, the, the Hong Kong authorities have rejected a request by protesters to take the streets on Saturday. I mean, are you concerned about China's military intervening in Hong Kong? The president, I think, captured it right when he said that yeah. uh, we need China to do the right thing. Uh, I, I, we, we hope that they'll do that. We hope that the uh, protests will remain peaceful. Uh, we think that's important. Uh, to, to avoid violence wherever there are protesters. We always think that's in the world's best interest, and that's certainly the case here as well. You know, it's, it is so interconnected with China, whether it's North Korea or whether it's U.S.-China trade talks. And just this week with Boris Johnson as, mm -hmm. assuming power, I, I saw what you tweeted out just this afternoon about you're hoping that you'll be able to work with Boris Johnson on U.S. initiatives. I'm curious if you think that his government and his policies will be perhaps more in line with the Trump administration on something like Huawei? I, th I think so. We'll, we'll see. Only time will tell. There's still, I spoke with my counterpart, Dominique Robb, uh, just a couple hours back. Uh, he, he's busy. He's, he's still getting briefed up and 
uh, making sure that he's ready. Uh, but we talked about that. We talked about the importance of uh, these two democracies working together. Uh, I, I, think, I think we'll find that there's a very good working relationship there. Um, but I'd, I'd say this, uh, we already work together on most things. Uh, we work together on large segments of the Iran file as well. Everybody talks about the differences. They've stayed in the deal. We got out. But there's large pieces of the pressure campaign against uh, Iran uh, that the United Kingdom understands. And there's a lot of places we work together and on uh, making sure that their ships are secure. I'm confident that we will work together. Uh, these are places where uh, democracies share a set of overlapping values and interests. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, though, when the Prime Minister gets his feet on the ground, I'm looking forward to having a chance to chat with him and his Foreign Secretary so that we can deliver on behalf of these two important democracies. And in terms of uh, so many of these sanctions and so many of, of these specific targets, earlier uh, today, I believe, it was uh, just announced that there were penalties against another Venezuelan for, for more corruption in the dictator Maduro's regime. Why was that important? So we add uh, to the list of individuals in Venezuela who are sanctioned nearly every week. We try and find the right entities, the right people. Uh, in, in this case, it was a group of individuals uh, this week that we have sanctioned. Uh, our aim is really very clear, right? You come back to first principle. The first principle there is Maduro is not the duly elected leader. Juan Guaido is the duly elected interim president there in Venezuela. Uh, we want Maduro to leave so that there can be free and fair elections with the ultimate goal of ensuring that there's democracy and freedom in Venezuela. For that to happen, the Cubans have to leave. Uh, you can't have a couple thousand Cuban intelligence and military officials in the country running the security apparatus and have the Venezuelan people flourish. That's our mission set. These sanctions are not aimed at the Venezuelan people, but indeed just the opposite. They're aimed at benefiting the Venezuelan people. And American companies uh, have, have interests there and, and security risks there. Chevron, for example, <clears throat> they've been in Venezuela, I believe, for like a, a hundred years. Uh, they've got... Uh, a waiver that could expire. You have to make a decision about whether or not this waiver is going to expire on Saturday about whether or not to partner with Venezuela's oil company. Can you give us any, any inkling into what that decision will be? No, um, <laughs> the president will ultimately make an announcement, but I'm, uh, uh, I, I've been part of the conversations. Uh, here in the next few days, you'll, you'll get a chance to see precisely what the president decided. R remember again, though, com come back to the first principle. What is it we're trying to do? We're trying to ensure that there aren't wealth and resources that are getting into the pocket of Maduro and his cronies and flowing to the Cubans. That's the objective, where we make a decision on a license or a particular sanction or a, a particular designation of an individual. Those are all aimed to support the strategy, which is the, the ultimate beacon for our direction. Mr. Secretary, I, I, my final question for you, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, just in this political, in the political lens. There's a lot of speculation, Mr. Secretary, about your political future. Perhaps maybe I will be interviewing you as Senator. Mm -hmm. Can, Senator Pompeo, is that something, is that a title you would maybe like to have one day? I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. The speculation's coming from places other than me. I've, I've made clear I'm the Secretary of State and I'm very focused on that. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. 
That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. All right, there we have it. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. You can check out that full interview on BloombergTV.com. Bob Cusack is here. He's editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper. Check out all their reporting at TheHill.com. Bob, I think he's going to run for Senate. Well, uh, let me turn on your mic. Okay. Sorry about that, yeah, Bob. No, I, sound on. <laughs> I, I, well, it, I, it's a great question because the rumors uh, had have resurfaced. I mean, it looked like he had ruled it out, and then there were reports um, that maybe he's going to get back in. And I, this has frozen the field in that race, as you know. I mean, Chris Kovac is, is in, but, but there are others who are thinking about getting in. And I tell you, if Mike Pompeo gets in, and he's going to basically clear the field on the Republican yeah. side and, and, and possibly on the Democratic side because they don't want to take him on in general. No, they definitely don't want to take him on. All right, we got to get to some breaking news while we were airing that interview. Uh, breaking news headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal. The House passes debt limit and budget deal, sending it now to the Senate. This is a I mean, look, the Freedom Caucus and the ultra conservatives in the House of Representatives, they had some concerns about this. Progressives had some concerns about this. But... This shows that Speaker Pelosi and President Trump are, are able to work together on issues of substance to get something done. And this is no small feat. <laughs> yeah, and it's no small bill. I mean, it's a no. big price tag. We're talking $320 billion, And some critics will say over 10, it approaches $2 trillion. And so it's, it is easier to get votes when you're spending that much money. Not a lot of offsets in this bill. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this is a bipartisan compromise. They got increases in spending on domestic side and the defense side. So there was reason for both sides to vote for it. Uh, but certainly, you know, it, it, the Tea Party was born less than 10 years ago. We're not talking about wow. government's spending. I mean, we're, we're, the, the cutting deficits is just not in the political dialogue right now. And I don't see it happening anytime soon. Remember, the Freedom Caucus has also pressed President Trump to tackle entitlement spending. Is that happening? No. No. And I don't see that happening. And the forecast in the Senate, the upper, I mean, that's a lot easier of a vote. No. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's going to be at the president's desk. All right. No drama there. Coming up, we're going to have much more to talk about with Bob Cusack. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Busy day. Busy day for our indefatigable team, executive producer Christine Murata and Bloomberg Television field coordinating field producer David Sutterman as we navigated the State Department with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. His first interview with Bloomberg Television and Radio. Great interview. I, I think our team did a... Great job. It was a total team effort. Bob Cusack's here. He is the editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper. Check out all of their reporting at thehill.com. When I say great interview, I meant it was a great team effort. I'm not tooting my own horn, Bob. It was um, a great interview. Well, no, yes. thanks. No, I, okay. Come on. It was. It well, was good. I thought it was interesting that he wants to go to Tehran. I think He wants that to is. go to Tehran, and yep. essentially the way that uh, Iran's foreign minister 
Zarif was just here in New York the other day meeting with right. Senator Rand Paul. Uh, and he's saying, you know, bring it on. I'll go to, to Iran and, and tell the Iranians precisely what the Ayatollah is doing to, to the Iranians. Well, I mean, in the Trump administration, including the president, and in your interview with uh, Pompeo, they're, they're willing to talk. But Iran is not willing to talk. And that's a different dynamic that we've seen with compared to like North Korea, for example. So I don't I don't see talks happening anytime soon. But I think the Trump administration is looking, okay, they're flexible. And and I think on that front, I know that the, the 2020 Dems are going to go after them and have gone after them for uh, getting out of the Iran nuclear accord. But as far as like talking to them, they can't criticize that. Well, no, yeah, right. I mean, Obama talked to everybody. Right. Um, the other big story today, also international, uh, the Senate. I was struck by this, and this is the lead story on TheHill.com and Bloomberg Politics. This is what everybody's chattering about today, is that the Senate has found, the Republican-controlled Senate has found, quote-unquote, extensive Russian meddling in the 2016 U.S. election. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal. Stephen Dennis reports, the Senate Intelligence Committee recounted extensive efforts by Russia to compromise the U.S.'s election infrastructure from 2014 to at least 2017, urging new efforts to deter the threat as the 2020 presidential election approaches. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, there has been a lot of proof that Russia was meddling in the election, and that's the real big takeaway, certainly from the, the Mueller report that people don't focus on. And no Pompe- one focuses on that. No, they don't. And, and Pompeo has said that Russia's not going to stop. They're, they're going to keep doing this, literally, he said, for the next 50 years. Uh, and you, the problem for Republicans, especially in the Senate, is that they've been blocking uh, election security bills. Democrats Why? What's seizing. their reasoning? Well, Mitch McConnell has said in 2018 the big story was there was no meddling, but that wasn't a presidential election year. So now it's 2020, and Trump's own government is saying, yeah, it's going to happen. So, so I, I think that's why Democrats are going on offense on it, and, and we're going to go – that issue is going to go into next year. So it is, it is just the timing of this report that has come out. It comes a day after former special counsel Bob Mueller's testimony to Capitol Hill. And to your point, there was so much – I would say bad political theater yesterday, but <laughs> yeah. but uh, but but the the, the the portion that no one focuses on is the issue of how a hostile foreign power is manipulating U.S. institutions, not just political institutions, big tech institutions, media institutions, and uh, on all different fronts to try to divide, to try to to try to you know issue Russia propaganda uh, in a covert way in order to, to, to somehow make an impact. They're not necessarily hacking votes. There's right. no evidence of that. But even the fact that they're just taking graffiti, for lack of a better metaphor, or, uh, and, and just spewing this, right. it's, 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 it's frustrating. Right. Yeah, well, countries are strongest when they are unified, just like political parties. And certainly when, when we had July 4th and we had the parade, a lot of headlines uh, across the, the the spectrum of media companies was that the country was divided, and that's what Putin wants. And to a large degree, he's been successful, uh, successful because he likes to sow division, and clearly Russia wanted Trump to win. Now, you can make an argument Trump would have won anyway, but then the Democratic argument is, well, wait a minute, he narrowly won in a number of states. Uh, so the debate about 2016 continues on even into 2020. And you mentioned 2020. In terms of where all this is going, I mean, I'll, I'll be in Detroit next week mm-hmm. for the, the second Democratic presidential debate. I'm not noticing. I mean, it, 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 I'm not sure how on these issues, 
whether it's Bob Mueller, whether it's election interference, how any of those candidates differentiate themselves amongst one another because they're all virtually saying the same thing. Yes. So the only way to differentiate yourself is to go after one another. And up until last time, I really only think Senator Kamala Harris understood that. Yes. But you're starting to see the Booker campaign somewhat take that same approach. But yep. the, the gloves have to come off because, on, I mean, you can't just say, okay, I, I, I'm against Russia more than you are. That's right. I, I think it's very difficult to get more traction on something that they all basically, as you mentioned, kind of agree on. Uh, but it, the question is who attacks who, and, and Biden's camp is saying they're going to be tougher this time. And certainly uh, when Harris went after Biden, it was advantage Harris. Usually sometimes uh, the counterpunch can be more effective than the punch. We have seen the punch be more effective. You know, Castro went after Beto O'Rourke a little bit, and, and, and O'Rourke didn't look uh, like good. Counter- yeah, it wasn't, wasn't I mean, good. Beto O'Rourke, no offense, the guy's been struggling in the past he's, couple he's weeks. He's been struggling. His fundraising has, has slowed down considerably. And there, as you know, there are some Senate Democrats who are like, okay, once you get get in that Senate race against uh, John Cornyn. Cornyn. Um, but but overall, I do think that— Call it, Vanity Fair. Th- this is very difficult. for if you're, in the, if you're not in the top five— You've got to make. You got to have a moment here because remember, the next debate after this one is not until September. Ooh. So if you don't get have a big moment and something goes viral in a good way, you're not going to get the donors. You're not going to qualify. Uh, last uh, I checked this morning, I think only five candidates are have qualified for the September one. Now it's a little ways off, but you've got to qualify for that debate, and you may not have the cash to last until September. So this is desperation time for many of these candidates. Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. I think I, I don't think everyone's excited to see Warren and Sanders on the same stage, and they'll be, I, I believe, on the first night yes. this time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't think they're going to go after one another. I, I agree. I, I think this. if you're expecting them to clash, yeah. like Biden and Harris, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, yeah. They, they both have been playing nice, and I don't think they're just acting. I, Joe I, Biden's going to get it. I mean, it's. It, I mean, I, I, I think – I can't wait. I don't like to predict, but I will predict that I don't think the Warren campaign is going to go after Bernie Sanders. I don't think it helps either of them. Coming up, more politics and policy with the legendary Bob Cusack, one of my first original bosses. Bob Cusack, the editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper uh, and at thehill.com, so grateful that he is in here today. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Bloomberg, download the Sound On podcast on Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. With me here in studio, Bob Cusack. He's editor-in-chief of The Hill. We can find all of their reporting on thehill.com. Okay, a story that really grabbed my attention today that I I, I would be remiss to not mention, and it's way out of left field, but it regards the death penalty. Yeah. Did you follow this? Yeah. I I mean— it came it, out of nowhere. It came so so the federal the feds are now going to say that they can have Attorney General William Barr orders the first federal executions in nearly two decades. They're essentially saying the death penalty is back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they picked out five people that 
will be executed. And, and certainly this is immediately going to, and has already become today, a campaign issue. This is probably going to be discussed at next week's Democratic debates. And it's, you know, he had, Trump has a, an attorney general that he likes and respects now. And this is, I think, consistent with his, uh, I'm going to be tough, I'm going to be tough on heinous crimes. Um, but of course, the Democratic Party has a very different outlook than it did during the crime bill in the mid-1990s. And of course, the attention will also shift on, well, what was Joe Biden's record on, on the death penalty? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. He voted for the crime bill, um, which dealt with the death penalty. So overall, wow, I, see, gonna, I didn't even think of that. They're going to divide. This is another thing that clearly will divide the party. Bob Cusack, always making me learn. Nick Wadhams is on the line, Bloomberg News national security reporter. Nick, thanks for hanging on for there. Sorry, we were having a, a, a needed a second to get you plugged in. Nick, I mean, thank you so much for your help in uh, helping me with the, the Pompeo interview. Could not have done it without you. What was your takeaway from, from what he had to say? Uh, the big thing for me was what he talked about with North Korea. Uh, you know, it was at the end of June that the president and Secretary Pompeo went to the demilitarized zone with North Korea and said, you know, that working-level talks with them on denuclearization would start in about two to three weeks. It's now a month later, and he's still saying, you know, it's going to be two, four, six weeks. And, you know, they're still saying the door is open for diplomacy, but really I think what his comments showed were that the North Korean government just isn't playing ball right now. So as, as optimistic as the president is, the U.S. effort on North Korea really has been stymied by the fact that that government just does not seem to want to get in the room with the United States, and he's really struggling through uh, how to uh, how to get them through that door. I was struck by that. I was struck by also his remarks in terms of uh, Iran and, and him basically putting out there that he he himself wants to go to Tehran. I wonder how the Ayatollahs going to react to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a great moment, and I you could sort of see one of those sort of things where he's obviously never been asked that question before. But um, you know, are you going to Tehran have, this time of year for your summer vacation like, plans? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, yeah, you know, but he sees that moment because it actually plays to this uh, strategy that they have a little bit, which is really to highlight the differences between the United States and Iran and say, okay, listen, the Iranian foreign minister is allowed to come here and talk to Americans and basically make his case to the American people. Uh, You know, he's obviously not censored or anything like that. And would that it was a situation where I could go to Tehran and make my case to the Iranian people. Um, So in a way, it allowed him to sort of make this point of drawing those contrasts between between the U.S. and Iran, which which really has become their big strategy, you know, that they want Iran to be a quote-unquote normal country. Nick Wadhams is on the line. He's Bloomberg News national security reporter, covers the State Department and all things international politics. But I got to ask you, and I know you got to run, and I, you've been so generous to, to hop on the line and, and help me all day. Uh, but do you think he's going to run for Senate? I, I kind of got the vibe that, that he's not he's not saying no, which I, you know, is a yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, a few months ago, he said it is ruled out. You know, he was very definitive on that. And I think, you know, all of my reporting about Pompeo sort of suggests that he is, sees himself in some ways as a real man of the moment and a man of history. And if he believes that really no one else can do this job in Kansas, like Chris Kobach, which who has you know a lot of opposition from the Republican Party, Pompeo has been courted actively by Mitch McConnell, he will step up and do it. Obviously, 
Uh, it's early. He has plenty of time. I think the filing deadline in Kansas is not till uh, June of 2020 or so. So, so there's plenty of time to see how this thing shakes out. But uh, everything we are hearing is that he's under a ton of pressure to do it, and he's uh, he, he's moved from ruling it out to keeping his options open. I mean, it's just the, the glide path here seems pretty obvious. Interesting. All right, Nick Wadhams, Bloomberg News National Security Reporter. Thanks so much for calling in. Bob Kuzak is here with us. Uh, for the hour. Bob, I, I want to go back to the other breaking news today, which is that they've got the, the, that lawmakers have, have in the House have advanced this two year debt limit extension. And I, I just I, I think we've downplayed this. I think that Mueller really drove so much of the conversation this week. But the 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 debt ceiling fight, typically a major, major battle uh, is it fell like a house of cards. I mean, no one's really talking about it. You heard a little bit of the Freedom Caucus, but now it's it's all but a it's all but a sure thing. Yeah, and it, it the the landscape here has, has changed dramatically. If you just think back a few months, the administration was sticking by the budget caps and sequestration uh, that both parties didn't like, and but that they moved off their position. And also, I think where Nancy Pelosi got some leverage was when Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, said. I need the debt ceiling raised before you guys go on recess. And Pelosi's like, that's fine, but you, we must get a budget deal for us to do that. We're not going to do a standalone. And they said, okay, fine. And then they gave, I think, a lot of negotiating power to Nancy Pelosi. And that's why, by and large, the Democratic caucus in the House is okay with this deal. Um, but, but conservatives are not pleased, but they can't do anything about it. So uh, this is some color, right? Uh, so, I mean, like in the, the jam-packed hallway in Rayburn, where they had the Mueller hearing. I mean, you couldn't even move. Like, it was like, I felt like I was at the Jersey Shore. Have you ever been to the Jersey Shore this time of year where there's like a trillion people and all their families? By the way, the best beaches in America are at the Jersey Shore. Like, love the Jersey Shore. They are very pretty, but they are very crowded. But they're very, and that's part of the charm, you know? Bruce Springsteen needed the inspiration. (laughs) But that was like the scene. Like, you can't even, you can't find an umbrella spot. You can't find a spot to do a live shot, okay? And... I, I was talking to who was it? Congressman Gomez, the Democrat from California, Jimmy Gomez. Mm-hmm. He's on the working group for USMCA. Literally, he comes out of the hearing room, or he's you know he's there, and I'm like, oh, what'd you think? You know, he's like, impeach, impeach, impeach. And then I go, okay, are you gonna get you like, are you gonna get USMCA done? And he's like, actually, you know, we've got a meeting tomorrow, Friday, with Bob Lighthizer, U.S. Right. Trade Representative, and those talks are going pretty well. And now that we got the debt ceiling out of the way september's looking pretty good on the calendar time to get nafta 2.0 done so there actually could be another major major bipartisan win in the works not just for president trump but for speaker pelosi yeah i I was talking to a house republican uh who was also bullish on usmca i'm skeptical wow Uh, skepticism uh, i'm an optimist bob uh, (laughs) well i (laughs) You're going to give President Trump a victory uh, fairly close to the election. I mean, at least, you know, a year out, but still a big victory. And I think Trump honestly would benefit significantly because he's he doesn't there's no deal on China. I know they're talking and they're going to resume talks. But but if he can get this through, uh, I remember most Democrats are opposed uh, to this. And so but can they get it done? Uh, Vice President Pence is pushing very hard for this. I think they got a shot, but uh, anytime you bet that something's not going to happen in Washington, you're usually right. You know, I, it, it is interesting, and a lot of the 2020ers will be able to say that 
it's not liberal enough and that it's a deal for Wall Street corporations and, and whatnot. Uh, but if they can find that that narrow sweet spot of some of those centrist Democrats and suburban Democrats yeah. who could get on board with this, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, Joe Crowley's working on trying to get some, <laughs> some of his old colleagues in there. What else is on your radar? We got a minute left. What's what's another story that jumped out at you today? It well, can be a weird one. A, a weird one. Yes. Hmm. Well, I, I think this I think one of the things on the Mueller issue is we're not there yet. But think about pardons. Will Trump Ooh. pardon Manafort? Will he pardon Flynn? Now, I don't think he's going to do it probably before the election. You never know. But because of what happened at the hearing and because it was such a dud, I think he's going to say it was ridiculous. Let, let, let me pardon some of these guys who got in trouble. Do you think Paul Manafort watched yesterday? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, th I think a lot of people watched, but I think a lot of people turned it off after a while. All right. Well, one thing about you, Bob, is that we will never turn it off because you are a consummate political junkie. Very appreciative and Thank grateful much, for Kevin. the legendary Bob Cusack, the editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper uh, and tennis player. Tennis player as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.